Have you ever sat through a Release Society lesson? Heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you? Then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today we have two very special guests. We have research specialist Cherie Clark with us. Hello. And we have Katie Perez. She is a stay-at-home mom of two, and she has read these talks, and she's here to share with us her experiences and her insights. So welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me. The talk we're going to be discussing today is called Decisions and Miracles, and Now I See by Irina Kratzer. And Cherie, what can you tell us about Irina? Well, she was originally born in Russia and was raised in Siberia. Her parents were orphans from World War II. Oh, wow. And she has a brother, and her parents were both medical doctors. And she ended up uh, studying to be a doctor. She was a cardiologist and was married and had a daughter, um, Anastasia, while she lived in Russia. And something I was surprised about while I was reading her background is that being a doctor is not a lucrative field in Russia. Definitely. She barely survived, really. Um, She would take her patients would come and bring her milk or barter with her using food stuff to be able to survive, or they would grow um, fruits and vegetables and survive off of that. But she was hungry a lot. They, They don't make money. You know, their their um, economy is pretty not very good, I guess. Well, and at this point in her life, she was very young. She is single, trying to provide for her daughter. And I like when she said she knows what it's like to live without the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to listen to this quote from her talk and just thinking about her experience. And I was hardly able to provide a simple food for my daughter and I. I seemed I had sinful life. I made one wrong choice after another. Hunger, depression, and wrong choices made my life miserable. I wasn't realizing that in many ways I was suffering from the natural consequences of my sins. And how could I know that? Sin did not exist according to my instruction. The thing that is so interesting is back in Russia, religion um, was prohibited since 1917. So a whole hundred years they hadn't had religion. And since she was in kindergarten, she had been taught about atheism and why God does not exist. They would try and prove that to them. And so that whole idea of not believing in God and and just eat, drink, and be merry mm-hmm. is what she lived by. And so the whole idea of sinning and consequences and all that was unknown to her. But she did feel the light of Christ. There's a part of her that talks about how she felt pain in her heart. And later, um, as she learned the gospel, realized that was the light of Christ that was there. So Mm -hmm. even with those classes about atheism, you cannot take the light of Christ from people. And people still live in societies like this. This Mm -hmm. was not that long ago. So she said that's how I lived. If there is no God, there is no sin. If there is no sin, it is absolutely up to you what you do with your life. Enjoy it. Take advantage of it because when you're gone, everything else will be gone also. And then I want to talk about how she was introduced to the Book of Mormon because then she says in the Book of Mormon, she reads about Korahor and how he preached that exact same thing that it's just like whatever you do, it's not a crime. And 
so it's just interesting that she was able to relate to that so strongly. So at this time in her life when she's an atheist, but she pleads to God. She says, all right, God, if you're there, just let me know because you probably don't even care about me. Who am I to you? A little thing here trying to survive. Yeah. In fact, she talks about that and that this she felt was a request, not even a prayer. She didn't even know what a prayer was. But what I love about that is that she asked, and once she asked, here comes the miracles. And it was shortly after that Dr. Woodmansey, um, she meets him, and it puts in motion her ability to be able to come to the United States. Well, and I love that when Dr. Woodmansey, you know, offered her that to come to the United States, he wasn't planning on doing that. And then just in the few minutes that they talked, he, he said that he was led by the Spirit. I loved that. Well, and another miracle is that he was on a tour of her hospital, correct? Yes. And mm-hmm. she wasn't even the one that was supposed to show him around? No. In fact, she and her friend had found out that he was coming, and her friend was going to be the one that was going to show him around, but she happened to be on vacation. So Irina was able to show him, and they did. it was sh- a short tour, only about 15 minutes. And afterwards, you know, he just asked her, what are your dreams? What are your wishes? And her wish was to get more knowledge and either stay and use that knowledge or go back with it. She didn't have any other ideas about it except that she wanted to improve herself. Well, and like Katie said, he just felt prompted Mm -hmm. by the Spirit to ask Mm -hmm. that. But then his motivations weren't to convert her necessarily to his religion, but he really wanted to help her improve her circumstances and give her more opportunity. And then what I thought was neat is that their correspondence happened through the mission home. He would send mail to her through to the mission home. Do you know why he did that? Well, part of it is that the church has a pouch mail system that makes it so it's reliable. So the mail system wasn't very reliable, but it was also genius on their part because it got her to the mission office And she was at first given a Book of Mormon by the missionaries. And she said she just put that away, put it up on her shelf and didn't worry about it. She had no interest in it. But the other thing is it was a four-hour bus ride for her to go from where she was to the mission office office in um, Nova Sabrisk, I think it is. So she went there twice. The second time she had started learning English and they gave her an enzyme, and she was so thrilled to have that enzyme because it was an opportunity to learn English. One of the very first articles she read in that enzyme was about the Book of Mormon, and it made her realize that, oh, I think I'll grab this Book of Mormon down and read it um, because her heart had been prepared at that point. And this was so relatable to me. She said that just every morning before she went to work, she read a chapter. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, that's how I read the Book of Mormon too, because I do hear mm-hmm. of other converts to the church that just can't put it down and they mm-hmm. just read a bunch. But she just read, decided to read a chapter every morning. I thought that was neat. And I love this quote. She said, the more I read this book, the more I saw the gap between the teachings of Christ and the way I lived. I learned that was why my life was so miserable. I felt pain and I had great desire to change. And so here she is not going from not believing in God to now having the Book of Mormon and realizing that Jesus Christ is real. And she's seeing that gap between how she's living and how Jesus Christ led the example for us to live. So she does everything she can now to 
try and close that gap and, you know, be happy. Well, the other interesting thing is that by the time she leaves to go to the U.S., she has read about 300 pages of the Book of Mormon. And she tells one of her colleagues that, I think I'm going to be baptized in this religion. And he said, what? Are you crazy? That means no more short skirts and no more champagne. So she just thought that was so funny. (laughs) That's what her friend was worried about. (laughs) Yeah. Before Irina came to America, she had this experience. Listen to what she says. I will always remember one night in Russia when I cried the whole night through. I cried realizing that my life was no good, that my poor choices hurt people I loved the most. It was the most painful night in my life. I sobbed the whole night pleading, Lord, please help me. By the end of the night, I was so exhausted, I had no more tears. When the first morning light broke through, the peace and relief came to me. I heard the words of Jesus Christ. Here is my hand. I will lead you and guide you. But you have to promise me that you will change. And I did. I promised. I wanted this guidance and his help more than anything else. So now let's talk about the miracles she experienced after this night. Well, she came to Utah was embraced by the student body of BYU and started studying English to take medical um, board exams. Uh, The thing is that happened with her is that she studied English for three months, changed over to medical terminology in English, and then studied another three months with a group of people for their first medical exam. And she was the only one out of her group that passed that exam. She literally must be brilliant, you know. She's so smart and ended up passing all four of those exams. But um, while she was here, she loved the people in Utah and um, the student body of BYU so much and felt um, such joy here and had continued to read the Book of Mormon. And she went to Dr. Woodmansey and asked him if she could be baptized. And he was like, wait, we, you need to meet the missionaries. <laughs> um, so she, a week before she was baptized, she met the missionaries and had the lessons. And the interesting story that happened there was the missionary that she met in Russia that gave her the Book of Mormon the first time, she met him again and didn't by chance they didn't even know and he um said oh i remember you i gave you this book of mormon and he was so excited and 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 what a miracle for him to be able to see the seed of what he had done while he was in russia so she ended up um having dr woodmancy actually um, baptized her and she also met her husband that same week Um, The week before she got baptized, she ended up meeting him and got married within that year. And then wasn't it just the next year that she's giving this talk in women's conference at BYU, right? In about about two two years afterwards. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, I can't even imagine. (laughs) I was going to ask, how hard was it for her to, you know, leave her family back home and come here and do all that? I mean, she had that. Her daughter. her daughter, Anastasia, was 10 when she came over to the U.S., and her mother took care of her for her, but that was really hard. And from the day that, that she and her husband, Tay, got married, they um, started the paperwork to get her and her mother to come. And that in itself is another miracle, another story that is amazing. 
she asked her mother, and they applied for paperwork and the visas to come, and she got a phone call from her mother saying, they denied me, I've been rejected, I won't be able to come for at least five or six years, but your daughter can come. So she made plans to come pick up her daughter in Russia, but as she was on the phone with her mother, she said, Mom, the Spirit is telling me that you're going to be, it's going to be okay, and you're going to come. And her mom said, what? You're around crazy Mormons. What has happened? And how can God talk to you? And isn't that interesting that her mother didn't believe that God could talk to her, but that is one of the greatest gifts, you know, that as our church that we understand. And so she tells her mother, don't worry. And her mom does not believe it's going to happen. They go back to, um, to Siberia And the night before she's supposed to fly to pick up her daughter, she gets a call from her mom, and her mom says, don't fly here. They they gave me my visa. And she said somebody from the embassy actually hunted her down and told her that they had changed their mind and gave her a visa, which is unheard of. It just does not happen. So she and her daughter were able to fly here and be with Irina and her family. So, Did her mom, after reading that experience, I kind of wondered if, did her mom ever convert? Her mom, so her mom came and actually lives here in Utah. She never converted, but she goes to an Orthodox, Greek Orthodox church, But she ended up marrying a man that lived across the street from Irina that was a widower. And um, so she is here and living, and her daughter, you know, is here. But no, her mother never converted. What I love about learning more about Irina's life is, so her talk is called Decisions and Miracles, and now I see. And it's just neat because these decisions that she's making with such faith really are providing so many miracles for her. I mean, they might seem small, but they have huge impact on her life. I just think that's incredible. So what do we learn from Irina and her experiences? Well, I really love how she talks about the miracles that happened. And she learned that in order to get those miracles, it took prayer and effort. And then the faith in that testimony required constant nourishment of scripture reading, daily scripture study, and then to ask for those miracles. If you remember that plea to the Lord, you know, remember me, this little girl here mm-hmm. who you probably don't even know. Well, she made us realize that the Lord does know who we are and what we need. And those miracles are there just for the asking. And that's, I think we learned that so much. And then the contrast of her life, you know, she was in such darkness and then saw the light. And she was in such misery and unhappiness. And now the joy and the happiness that she enjoys. So for her, what we learn from, especially when those of us that have had the gospel in our lives for our entire lives, we don't always see that stark contrast that she was able to see. And she is able to teach us that we have such a gift. I was going to say, I love how at one point she says, kind of along the lines you were saying, now I know that every soul is important to God. Mm -hmm. I love that. So in conclusion, let's just listen to a quote from her talk. Now in my dreams and in my letters, I come back to Russia, to my friends, to people I love, and I ask them, do you know who you are? 
Do you know where you come from? Please listen. Please listen what I've learned. The fire burns in my chest day and night. The fire of joy. The fire of love. The fire of gratitude. And I cannot be still. I need to tell the whole world what I know now. Walk with Christ. Hold on unto his hand. Feast upon his words. Drink his light with your every pore, with all your soul. His promises are great. Your life will never be the same. It will be happy. It will be beautiful. In the moments of hardships, you won't be left alone in a dark tunnel. But in the bright light of his love, with always brighter light ahead of you. So why do you think that this book or this discourse was included in the book At the Pulpit? Well, a big part of it is we have a global church and we need examples of women in throughout the world. She's one of our a representative of, of global women. And women in this um, church need these examples and stories that they can turn to and recognize as role models and as examples and knowledge that no matter where you live in this world, your Heavenly Father knows who you are and you're not alone. And He hasn't forgotten you. Even if you maybe didn't know about God, He knows who you are. He'll do everything He can to bring you back to Him. Thank you so much. Uh, Cherie and Katie, thank you so much for your thoughts and insights and experiences that you provided. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us in reading these talks from At the Pulpit. It's accessible in your Gospel Library app and also at churchhistorianspress.org. And we hope you'll join us next time. I'm your host, Shailen Back. Thank you.